0: Welcome back, everybody, to another chapter of Keeper of Lost Cities. Sorry I haven't been able to upload. Um, I've been a little busy, but here we go. This is Atlantis, so they couldn't quite hide her disappointment. They were in the middle of nowhere on a patch of dark rocks surrounded by white-capped waves. The only sign in life are a few seagulls, and all they did were screech and hoot. It was hardly the lost, um, uh, the lost continent, the lost continent she'd expected. Sorry. Okay. This is how we get to Atlantis, Alden corrected, as he stepped across the tide pool towards a re- uh, triangular rock. Atlantis is uh, underneath us, where the light doesn't reach. Uh, We can't leap there. It's hard not to step on the rocks as she followed uh, Fitz. Especially in the red shoes. Alden insisted she'd wear to match the long gown. She begged to wear pants, but apparently it was a sign of status for a girl to wear a gown. Especially in Atlantis. Which Alden explained was a noble city which meant members of the nobility had offices there. The empire's the empire waist and be beaded neckline of her dress made her feel like she was wearing a costume. It was even stranger seeing fits in Elven clothes. A long blue tunic with elaborate embroidery around the edges. And slender pockets sewn into the sleeves, the exact same size of his Pathfinder. Black pants with pockets at the ankles, so he didn't have to sit on the stuff he carried. He explained, and black boots com- complete the look. No sign of tights or pointy shoes, thankfully. But she looked, but he looked more like an elf now. Which made everything more real. The rocks moved under her feet and she fell into Fitz's arms. Sorry, she whispered, knowing her face was as red as her dress. Fitz shrugged. I'm used to it. My sister, Bianca is clumsy, too. She wasn't sure that she liked being compared uh, like that comparison. So, Atlantis really sank. She asked, changing the subject and following him to a edge above the water. The ancient um the ancients ended near to catastrophic, catastrophe catastrophe, Alden answered. He opened a secret compartment in the side of a strange rock, revealing hundreds of tiny glass bottles. Grabbed one and joined them on the ledge. How else would humans think we disappeared? Sophie glanced at the label on the bottle. One whirlpool, open with care. Step back, Alden uncorked the top and flung the bottle into the ocean. A huge blast of wind whiffed against their faces, and the roar of churning water filled the air. Ladies first, Alden shouted, pointed to the edge. I'm sorry, what? Maybe you should go first, Dad, Fitz suggested. Alden nodded and gave a quick wave and jumped. Sophie screamed. La- Fitz laughed beside her. Your turn. He dragged her towards the edge. Please tell me you're joking. She begged as she tried and failed to pull away. It looks worse than it is, he promised. Um. Uh. She gulped, staring at the male storm swirling beneath her cold salty water sprayed in her face are you seriously expecting me to jump i can push you if you prefer don't even think about it better jump then i'll give you to the count of five He stepped toward her one okay okay she wanted to keep what little dignity she had left she took a slow deep breath closed her eyes and stepped off the edge screaming the whole way down it took her a second to realize she wasn't drowning. And another after that to stop playing around like an idiot. She opened her eyes and grasped and gasped. The whirlpool formed a tunnel of air, dipping and weaving through the dark water like the craziest water slide ever. She was actually starting to enjoy the ride when she launched out of the vortex onto an enormous sponge. It felt like being licked from head to toe by a pack of kittens minus the kitten's breath. And the sponge sprang back leaving her standing on a giant cushion. Her hands froze when she smoothed her dress. I'm not wet. The sponge absorbs the water when you lift. Incoming! Alden yanked her out of the way as Fitz rocketed into the sponge. Right where he she had been standing. He jumped out the sponge. In the slightly squishy ground. Onto the, to the slightly squishy ground. It felt like a packed. Like packed wet sand. Now this. Is Atlantis. Alden jespered To the gleaming. metropolis Ahead of them. <clears throat> Sophie's eyes felt like they had to stretch to take it all in. The city was wrapped in a dome of air which faded into the ocean beyond. Twisted circle towers soared into the skylight, breathing silver s- cities in the soft blue glow, radiating from their pointed spires. The building lined in, in, in an, acre- an acre- uh, network of can- uh channels interconnected by arched bridges. It reminded her of the pictures she'd seen events, but everything was sleek and modern and clean. Despite being at the bottom of the ocean, the air was crisp and fresh. The only clue that they were underwater was a muted glow in the background, like the sound she'd heard when she put a seashell to her ear. You guys built with crystals a lot, Sophie observed as she followed Alden into the city. Alden smiled. Crystals store energy we use to power everything. And it's cut uh, and it's cut to let precisely the right amount of light in. Of course, we had to make some changes when we moved Atlant- uh, Atlantis underwater. We placed the buildings with silver so they reflect the firelight we created in spires and help illuminate the city. Why do you think Atlant why do you th- why do you sink Atlantis and not the other cities? We built Atlantis for humans. That's why you know it's real. The real name of the city. A long time ago humans walked these very streets. Sophie looked around. Elves wandered the shops looking young and il- elegant. The men wore heavily velveted capes, like they belonged to a resistance fair. And some of the women's gowns shifted in color as they moved. Signs adverted uh, adver- two-for-one specials on bolted lightning or fast approval on skyball applications. A child strolled past with some sort of hybrid chicken lizard on a leash. No wonder humans invented craziness after the elves disappeared. She reached the main channel and Alden hailed one of the carriages floating along the water. A silver almond-shaped boat with two rows of uh, high-backed benches. A driver in an elbow-length green cape steered from the front drawing in the reins. Some sort of brown creature skimming the surface of the waves. Sophie shrieked. An eight-foot-long scorpion with deadly pincers, re, uh, re, reared up against the rings. Its tail curled up, looking ready to sting. What is that thing? And e. Er, Euro, er, pet, petrode, er, petrode, I think. I'll just call an eropitrode. An eropitrode. All then explained, a sea scorpion. You're not afraid, are you? Fitz asked. She moved further away. What is it with girls? Fitz leaned down and strode the shiny brown shell along the eropit's back. Sophie waited for the pincers to slice in the hat, but the creature held still. Emitting a low hissing sound, like it enjoyed being petted. See, harmless. Fitch jumped into the carriage. All in followed, ho- holding the door open for her. Quillen's waiting, Sophie. It's time you found out. It's time to find out what's in that impenetrable mind of yours. That is the end of chapter nine. I hope you enjoyed. Have a nice week, everybody.
1: Everybody, welcome back to another chapter of Keeper of the Lost Cities. I'll be reading chapter ten. Here we go. Every fibre of Sophie's being wanted to run far, far away from the mutant insect of doom, especially since it would take her to get probed. But she gritted her teeth and ran into the and ran into the carriage, pressing her back against the bench to be as far as possible from the hideous sea scorpion. Where to? The driver asked Alden with a laugh. Quinlan Sodden's office, please. The driver shook the reins, and the giant scorpion thrashed its tail against the water, pulling them along. So who's this Quinlan guy anyway? Sophie asked. Alden smiled. He's the best probe I know. If anyone can slip into your brain, it's him. Something about the word slip in gave her the heebie-jeebies. She tried to think about something else to stay calm. Why does he work down here? Atlantis was not a bad place but she imagined the commute would get annoying after a while. Atlantis is our most secure city. Anyone and anything that needs added protection is here, including your file. I have a file? A highly classified one. What's it on? You'll see soon enough. She opened her mouth to ask another question, but Alden shook his head and pointed to the driver. She'd have to wait till they were alone. The carriage entered some sort of business district. The streets were packed with elves and long... Elves, all in long black capes, and the silver buildings stood taller than the other ones with round windows tracing down the sides and glowing signs bearing their names. Treasury, registry, interspecial services. But half the signs were unreadable. What's with the random strings of letters, she asked, pointing to a building with gibberish for a sign? Alden tried to follow her gaze. The runes? Is that what these are? She held out her wrist, running her fingers along the nonsense written on the nexus. Alden nodded. That's our ancient alphabet. You can't read it? If it sounded more surprised than she would have liked. Being the clueless one was getting old. Fast. Alden stroked his chin. But you can tell their letters. Yeah, but it's just a big jumble. Is that going to be a problem for school? She held her breath. What would the other kids think if she couldn't even read? Nah, it's rarely used, Fitz said, and she could breathe again. Only when they want to be fancy or something. She hesitated, hating that she had to ask ask her next question again. Is it wrong that I can't read them? Reading should be instinctive, Alden admitted. But maybe your human education affected you somehow? We've never had anyone with your upbringing, so it's hard to say. There was that word again, upbringing. This giant gap between her and everyone else. How was she ever supposed to fit in if she was the only kid who went home to her human parents every night? What other option did she have? No way her parents would let her move here. They wouldn't even let her move across the country to go to college. How? She started to ask. but Alden cut her off. No reason to worry, Sophie. I'm sure we'll figure it out with further testing." That wasn't what she was going to ask, but the idea of more weird elf tests made her forget her other problems. She hoped she'd get through the next one without dropping a member of the council. They turned down a narrow, quiet canal lined with purple trees with, with thick broad leaves like kelp. The water dead-ended at a single silver building. A square tower with no windows or ornamentation other than a small sign with precise white letters that read, Quinlan Sodden, Chief Mentalist. All signs of life had vanished, and the small black door was closed tight. While the sea scorpion slowed to a stop, and Alden took a small green cube from his pocket. The driver swiped it across the cuff above his elbow and handed it back to Alden after it made a tiny ping. Sophie's legs wobbled as she followed Alden toward the door. Despite Fitz's earlier assurances, she couldn't help wondering if the probe wouldn't hurt, or if the probe would hurt. Or worse, what humili- humiliating memories Quinland would find. Alden bypassed the receptionist in the dim foyer and headed to the only office in the back. The small square room smelled damp, and half the space was filled with a massive stone desk. A tall, dark-skinned elf with chin-length black hair jumped from his seat and gave an elegant bow. "Please, there's no need for a ceremony, my friend," Alden said with a wink. "Of course." Quinlan's gaze settled on Sophie. Brown eyes, definitely unique. Alden agreed. "That's an understatement." He stared at Sophie long enough to make her. S- he stared at Sophie long enough to make her squirm. "You really found her after all these years." And they still hadn't explained why they'd been looking for her. You tell me, Alden told Quinlan. Do you have her file? Right here, Quinlan held up a small silver square before handing it to Sophie. You lick it, Fitz explained. They need your DNA. She tried not to think about how unsanitary that was as she gave the square the tiniest lick. The metal grew warm, and Sophie nearly dropped in, dropped it when a hologram flashed out. "'of the center, two strands of DNA rotating in the air "'with an unearthly glow. "'The word match flashed across them in bright green. "'It took Sophia a second to as she'd stop breathing. "'She was a match? "'She really did belong. "'So this is why Prentice sacrificed everything. Quinlan breathed, staring at the glowing double helixes "'as though seeing a long-lost child. "'Prentice? Was that a name? "'And what did he sacrifice?' Alden answered before she could ask. He definitely had his reasons. You'll see when you try the probe. Sophie jumped as Alden squeezed her shoulders. He probably meant to reassure her, but it didn't help as Quinlan reached toward her. No big deal, Sophie, Fitz promised. I'll be done in less than a minute, Quinlan added. She swallowed her fears and nodded. Two cold, slender fingers pressed against her temples. And Quinlan closed his eyes. Sophie counted the seconds as they ticked by. 278 passed before he pulled away, so much for less than a minute. Quinlan's mouth hung open. That's what I thought, Alden murmured, almost to himself. He turned and began pacing. You can't hear anything either, Sophie asked. Part of her was relieved. She hated the idea of having her private thoughts invaded, but she didn't like the look on Quinlan's face, like all the wind had been knocked out of him. What does that mean, Quinlan asked quietly. I mean, she'll be the greatest keeper we've ever known once she's older, Alden said through a sigh. Cullen snorted, if she, isn't, if she isn't already. Alden froze midstep. Then he turned to face her. He looked pale. What's a keeper? Sophie asked. Second passed before Alden answered. Some information is too important to record, so we'll share it with the keeper, a highly trained telepath, and leave them in charge of protecting the secret. Then why would I already be one? Quinlan was joking about that. Alden's smile didn't reach his eyes, which made it harder to believe. Then again, the only secret she was currently keeping was where she'd b- hidden her sister's karaoke game, so she didn't have to listen to Amy sing off key all the time. How could she be a keeper? Perhaps we should talk upstairs. Alden gestured to the foyer. While the receptionist was leaning toward them, making notes, clearly eavesdropping, Quinlan led them to the far end of this small office. He licked a silver strip on the wall, and a narrow door slid open, revealing a winding stairway. They climbed to an empty oval room with live footage of brush fires projected across the walls. A cold chill settled into Sophie's core as she recognized the city. Why are you watching the San Diego wildfires? She pointed to the aerial view of the Southern California. White fire lines formed an almost perfect half circle around San Diego. Sorry, I had to look at something. Cold, whitefire. Uh, white fire San Diego. You know the area?' Quinlan asked. "'Yeah, I lived there.' Quinlan's gasp made her ears ring. Thin lines etched into Alden's forehead as he stared at the images. "'Why didn't you tell me where there were fires?' he asked Fitz. "'I didn't know they were important. "'I didn't ask you to tell me what was important. "'I asked you to tell me everything.' "'Alden turned to Quinlan. Wh- "'Why were you watching the fires?' They're burning white hot against the wind, like they were set by someone who knew what they were doing. Plus, doesn't it look like the sign? Sophie had no idea what the sign was, but she didn't like the way the lines on Alden's forehead deepened. Little Valleys of Worry I'm guessing this is how you found the article you sent me, Alden murmured. I'd wondered why you were looking there. We ruled that area out years ago. Article? Quinlan asked. The one about the child prodigy in San Diego led me right to Sophie. Reflections of the glowing flames made Quinlan look even more haunted as he shifted his weight. I didn't send you any article. Did you have a note for me? Alden frowned. No, but you were the only one who knew what I was up to. Not the only one, Quinlan said quietly. What's going on? Sophie asked. She didn't care about interrupting, or the warning Fitz was trying to communicate with with his waving hands. What sign? What's wrong with the fires? Should I warn my family to get out of there? Not being allowed to read minds was turning out to be more frustrating than she'd ever imagined. The answers she needed were right there, within her reach, But but what would happen if they caught her taking them? She didn't want to find out. There's no reason to worry, Sophie, Alden promised. I know this all seems very strange to you, but I assure you, we have everything under control. The calm tone to his voice made her cheeks feel hot. Maybe she was overreacting. Sorry, it's just been a weird day. Between the guy trying to grab me this morning and... What? Quinlan interrupted, glancing between Sophie and Alden. Was he an elf? Alden finished. I doubt it. How can you be sure? Quinlan asked. Alden turned to Sophie. Why didn't he take you? She shuddered, remembering the desperate look in the kidnapper's eyes before Mr. Forkel stepped in. My neighbor threatened to call the police. See, Alden told Quinlan, they never would have backed down so easily. They, Sophie, didn't like the idea the word implied. A nameless, faceless entity out to get her. Alden smiled. I meant an elf, any elf. You've seen how quickly we can light leap. If one of us were really trying there to get you, no human threatening to call the authorities would stop they, wouldn't just, they would have just grabbed you and leapt away. She shivered at the thought. But what about the fires? Why are they white? The arsonist probably used a chemical accelerant. Humans do so love their chemicals. I'll look into it. Alden promised. I follow suspicious leads all the time. They never amount to anything. Humans are always doing crazy dangerous things. They're not lighting something on fire, they're spilling oil in the ocean, or blowing something up. Every time they do, I investigate to make sure things don't get out of hand. But that doesn't leave this room. The council's official position is to leave humans to their own devices. That's another reason Quinlan works down here. The council rarely takes the time to visit and find out what we're up to. Bronte has his babysitter sitting outside my office all day, taking notes, though. Quinlan grumbled. He could have at least picked someone who's a decent receptionist. Alden rolled his eyes. Then his smile returned. At least she's equally bad at spying. You should have seen Bronte's face when she learned about Sophie. I thought steam might come out of his ears. Quinlan laughed. Keeping that secret for 12 years has to be a record. Why didn't the council know you were looking for me? Sophie had asked. Why all the secrecy? Bronte had specifically ordered us to ignore the evidence we found of your existence, Alden explained. He thought the DNA we discovered was a hoax and that my search was a waste of time. That's why he was so hard on you today. He doesn't, he doesn't like being wrong. And he really doesn't like knowing that I've been working behind his back. So can I trust you to keep this quiet? Alden waited for Sophie and Fitz to nod. Sophie couldn't help feeling like she was missing something, so so she wasn't quite ready to agree. Do you promise you'll keep me updated on the fires? Alden sighed. I will, if there's anything important. Agreed? Sophie nodded, trying to make sense of the pieces she learned. Why would her DNA be a hoax? How did they even have her DNA? Alden turned to Quinlan. Send me everything you have on the fires. I need to get Sophie back home. The information will be waiting for you," Quinlan promised with a slight bow. "Thank you. Good to see you, my friend." Alden's pace felt rushed as he led Fitz and Sophie downstairs, bypassing the receptionist without so much as a nod. He hailed another sea scorpion carriage, but this time Sophie was too distracted to care about the evil-looking creatures as it as it pulled them through the canals. Random facts floated through her mind. Prentice, DNA, matches, keepers, white-hot fires wrapping around the city where she lived. A sign, Quinlan had said. A sign of what? And why couldn't anyone read her mind? She was no closer to the answer when the carriage slowed to a stop. They'd reached a small blue lagoon so far outside the city that the silver spires were nothing more than a tiny glint. In the distance, shimmery white dunes surrounded the small lake and on the west shore stood a strange black statue, a narrow round base which rose at least two stories high. Topped with a wide, hollow circle, and irides- an iridescent film shimmered across the center of the loop, making the whole p- apparatus resemble a giant bubble wand. Hold on tight, Alden said as she- he moved between Sophie and Fitz and took their hands. Before Sophie could ask why, Alden's feet lifted off the ground, his strong arms pulling her and Fitz along with him and as he floated out of the carriage. She clung to his hand with, with every bit of strength she had, shrieking as the ground grew farther and farther away. She blushed when Fitz chuckled. She needed to be better about keeping her cool. But now elves, but now elves could levitate? What couldn't they do? Do I want to know... Do I want to know what we're doing, she asked as Alden steered them toward the statue. You'll see, Fitz told her. They passed through the center of the loop as the iridescent film stretched, forming a giant bubble around them. Sophie couldn't resist touching the bubble's side, which was warm and wet like the inside of her cheek. But a low rumble coming from beneath them demanded her attention. She glanced down just in time to see a giant and geysers shoot up from the lagoon as it launched their bubble out of Atlantis. That is the end of the chapter. Sam? Sam? Are you
0: going to play golf?
1: I don't know. Here, Sam, I finished it, but I don't think it's off. It
0: isn't.